0: I'm Sophie Scott.
2: And I'm James Gill.
0: Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone.
2: We'll be chatting with our favourite people.
0: Sharing uplifting news stories.
2: And delivering tips and tricks.
0: To bring balance to your lives.
2: Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Mark Manson, yes. Oh my goodness, wonderful. So, you've probably read, I mean that's a huge assumption. (laughs) There is a chance you've read, that's more like it. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F Word. And then his new book is called Everything is Effed. I mean, I'm watching my language here. I'm mindful that I swear too much at the best of times. So, so I'm editing myself. Everything is Effed: colon, a book about hope. Uh, and these two books have been huge hits, huge hits. So we talk about the books, but this is a real freewheeling chat. Mark Manson is a likeable dude. He's been on a book tour over here recently, so it was lovely to to sit down with someone I admire a great deal. I really, really enjoyed both his books. There will be a third F F word book. Don't oh, have turned into Richard Bryers all of a sudden. <laughs> anyway, Ma- uh, Mark Manson. I uh, hope you enjoy this. This is a, a really lovely freewheeling chat with a really interesting guy. Oh, tell you what, I, uh, there's a bit where I tell him that I don't think he's a cynic. That stayed with me. He's like, it. <laughs> you can't see this, but in the in the podcast booth where we re, where we recorded it, I went. I don't think you're a cynic, and uh, go, God bless him. His eyes nearly fell out of his head. But I mean it, Mark. If you're listening, I don't think you are, and I say that as a, as a compliment and as a fan, as someone who loves you a great deal. Anyway, Mark Manson. Before that, oh by the way, please do us a favor. Give us five stars, positive review. I I, I tend to say this at the end. It's going to be more impactful if I say it. impactful. Easy. Uh, I'm going to double down. It's going to be more impactful if I say it at this intro bit. Do us a do us a huge favour. Five star review, positive review. It all helps. Nudges us up the rankings and all that malarkey. You know, if you don't enjoy it, just you know keep that to yourself. You don't you don't have to share that. Um, anyway, our good news section, and then Mark Manson. Good news this week comes from two very strong women Uh, Monica Lewinsky very quickly obviously was at the centre of a a global news story and it's emerged this week that the um, Ryan Murphy the man who has created American Horror Story but also American Crime Story the O.J. Simpson series was an absolute belter ditto the Versace one and the, the the upcoming series will be about Lewinsky Who's got a job as a producer, Monica Lewinsky? She's owning, she's owning rather her story. She's owning her story. I found this very inspiring. And then also someone who I know a little bit. Oh, this is a name drop, isn't it? Whitney Cummings is one of the greatest stand-up comedians I've ever seen. I've I've gigged with everyone. I'm, I'm very privileged. I've gigged with some of the biggest names ever. Um, But Whitney Cummings performed, this isn't the good news story, the fact that she played Always Be Comedy, that would be shameless. But I I run a little comedy night in South London and Whitney Cummings, American comedy behemoth, inexplicably played there last Christmas. It's a true story, she did. Anyway, this week, blackmailers were trying to extort money from her because uh, of a, a photo, a revealing photo of Whitney Cummings. And so what Whitney did was she owned the story. That is the takeaway lesson here from uh, Lewinsky and and Cummings. Own own the story. And so what she did instead was she deliberately shared a picture of her own nipple in order to stop the, and I quote, she used the word dorks, a word I've not heard for, I'm going to say around 25 years. It was so lovely to hear the word dorks again. And uh, it started the hashtag, hashtag I stand with Whitney, and I know a lot of people, such as myself, found this hugely inspiring. I I love Whitney Cummings, I love everything about her. She's strong, she's powerful, she's incredibly talented, she's really hardworking, and she wouldn't let people stand in her way like that, and she stood up to them, and again, she owned her story, and uh, that's the, the double good news this week. Lewinsky, Google it, lovely story. Uh, and then the great Whitney Cummings, not as well known over in Britain as she's in America. So if you're a British comedy fan, check her out online. She's got a new Netflix special. Someone else who's owned his story, and that's so tenuous, is uh, another American, the wonderful Mark Manson. Mark, thank you very much. We we, we had a phone a few weeks ago, and uh, I feel I, I'm often guilty of crossing a line from... Uh, Supposedly respectable journalist to out and out fanboy, and I, I definitely, uh, I definitely. We, I don't know if you've seen. I'm Alan Partridge. We have. There's a no. comedy over here called I'm Alan Partridge, and as I've episode with Jed Maxwell, who it turns out is uh, a super fan, and Alan sort of needs to be careful. And over the course of our phone conversation, I, I, w- I'd, I was mentally thinking of myself as Jed Maxwell. So on one hand, I apologise. On the other hand, uh, thank you for the thank you for the books, genuinely. Sure. Cause um my pleasure did you i mean kick off with a really hard question (laughs) could you have ever (laughs) believed that they would become this global i mean i've known people who've who've written books and they've done well yeah but you've written books that have become these globe globo mega smashes i mean what, what what's that like it's funny people people ask me did you expect this and oh come on someone's asked this
3: before yeah, sorry. <laughs> Damn it. you're not that clever. But it, but, it, but it, it's funny because it's you know I think I think a certain amount of success I did expect a certain amount of success, but I surpassed that about six months in, and and my answer is like, like it's subtle art is like the Avengers of the publishing world, and if anybody expects that many book sales, um, they're they're on something or or they're like. They're smoking something. like Because it just it doesn't happen. And you can't... So much of it is outside of my control. You know, I can write a great book, and there are plenty of great books out there that sell well, but they kind of die off.
2: Yes. This thing just keeps going and going and going. The, the Almost the, not the highest compliment, but a compliment I can pay subtle art is that if I was to go through an airport, mm-hmm. I would bet every last penny in my bank account that I would see it uh, displayed. It's always in the top 10 charts. It's yeah. always... Um, and it also, it's one of those books where everything about it was perfect. The cover, and I know, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing you didn't design it, but yeah. even the cover was nailed, wasn't they it? They nailed it. It was, it was just one of those things where that Venn diagram, every single circle yeah. seemed to overlap. and Ev-
3: that... Everything came together. It, it was a perfect storm in a lot of ways. And, and there were a lot of things that were outside of our control. You know, so the publisher nailed it. Uh, you know, my editor did an amazing job. But then also just... The world seemingly going to shit right around the time it came out. You know, I I used I used to joke that that Donald Trump's probably responsible for like ten percent of my book sales, (laughs) and it's it's all it's kind of a joke, but kind of not because the
2: the book really started to take off after he won the election. I mean, a couple a couple of people I could call friends are political comedians, Mm -hmm. and I imagine, and I guess it's the same in in the U.S. as well. They must secretly, and you must secretly be. Oh, dare I say it? Rubbing your hands together a little bit. Cause I... <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's weird,
3: right? Because, uh, you, you know, I think I think Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett has this old quote about being excited that the, when being most excited when there's blood in the streets, and because that's when there's the most opportunity. Like that's when there's the mm-hmm. most, especially as 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 uh, an author and everything. Like that's that's when you people are the most kind of rabid for. Uh, hope, as it were. But it, it's at the same time, you don't want that. You want people to be like so comfortable and
2: happy that they don't need to read any of this stuff. Can, can we, is it, do you think it is possible for us to ever get to a position of being comfortable and, and happy?
3: No. <laughs> we're fucked.
2: I, I mean, see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimistic guy, but sure. I, I think I said, this, I said this to you on the phone, actually. I think it was, uh, I think it was John Stewart who said that Trump. I know he's an easy guy to knock, but Trump and a lot of these far right guys are yearning for this event in the past that never technically never existed, happened. Yeah. So they say about how things used to be, but you could, I mean, you could, I could have a historian here or yourself. I know the research oh, that you totally. do, but you could go through every decade and say horrendous stuff that, it was, was, that was happening. a Total mess. It's yeah. A t- but it's a myth. It's a myth, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's interesting
3: because the the research on memory is that our memory is very biased towards positive memories? Sure. So, um, you know, if you think, if I ask you what you did last year, you'll probably tell me the, the highlights, you know, the vacation you went on, you know, your birthday party, like whatever, all yeah. the, all the best moments. Um, Whereas you could have spent six months
2: of last year like a total wreck, like you know, like I'm going to tell you. Oh, there's a week where I didn't sleep because I was racked with fear over, but you know,
3: yeah. It, but it's your mind conveniently kind of gets gets rid of that. And so I know in the U.S. right now, there's the 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 predominant demographic is the baby boomers. So you you the largest portion of the population is people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah, and I think there's this this nostalgia. For the simplicity of the post-war years, of you know, white picket fence and it's Johnny and Susie and the dog, and, pie on the windowsill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the, you know, and you have two channels on TV, and everybody is like, you know, watches the same thing and talks about the same stuff. Um, there, I think there's a real, especially given how I think uncomfortable the complexity. Like, I, the internet has made us aware of so much stuff that the complexity itself is very uncomfortable. It's, it's very difficult and confusing to know what to believe in or to what to hope for. And so I think people, especially older generations, look back at their youth and they're like, man, back in the 60s, we knew exactly what was going on. We knew exactly what to hope for. You know, we were sticking it to the commies and yeah. Yeah. and and we had the beatles and like everything was great you know holding
2: hands singing in the streets <laughs>
3: but yeah. but there's so on one hand there's a bias to that memory because it's actually you know things were pretty fucked up back then but also um i think what 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 people are pining for is is that simplicity um i think it's it's even my generation, the millennial generation, like we're we're starting to hit this as well. Like you see all this this retro '80s and '90s stuff yeah, that's becoming popular, sure. like Stranger Things yeah. and, and all all these new movies and stuff about the '90s. Um, like I feel that you know, I I watch Stranger Things and I'm like I'm like oh yeah, Light Bright yeah that's <laughs> that was awesome man like you know it, it's it, it's um. It's just today with our phones and everything. I just feel. I think we feel overloaded constantly.
2: Well, well, you, my friend, you you gave me a nugget of wisdom, and um, I, I will say what it is. Obviously, um, for British people in particular, this this is genuinely life changing, and it has been for me. And it's this it's this idea of uh, not getting bogged down in the silly minutia. So instead of going onto Twitter and engaging in some Twitter row with Ten people you're never going to meet, and no, none of you are ever going to agree. It's focus on the it's focus on the bigger picture, yep. and putting your energy into the bigger picture. So ever ever since our chat, there've been times where there might be that temptation to say that thing or do that thing, and I, like Obi Wan Kenobi, I've remembered you. <laughs> remember the bigger picture, but um, <laughs> could you just say a bit, a, a bit about that? Because that is, I think, that's wonderful.
3: Yeah, I think. If there was one thing that I, I, I wish everybody would understand, if I could snap my finger and like the whole world understood this, it's that again, talking about memory or or what we tend to focus on, just in terms of our psychology, we tend to focus on what generates the most emotion. Uh so I can tell you this, you know, I blog I was a blogger for 10, 12 years. Um, you do stand up, right? Yeah. I remember that. Okay. So you probably like, if you, you can have an audience, let's say you got an audience like two, three hundred, five, what how, however many I people. I mean, uh, lower. <laughs> let's say, let's say 200 people <laughs> and, and 199 of them are great. They're laughing at everything. They're really into it. But you got one drunk asshole in the back sure. who's like shouting at you, you know, what do you spend the rest of the night thinking about? It's that one guy in the back. Mate. And and it's, I think, social media is that in a nutshell. Um, it's, you can post something on Facebook or whatever, you'll get 100, say 100 people leave comments, 98 of them will be positive, two of them will be negative. And what's really screwed up is that all these algorithms, so the Facebook and Twitter algorithms, they are optimized for engagement. So when Facebook looks at the hundred comments on your picture, Facebook is asking itself, what comment can we push to the top that is going to get people to stay on Facebook the longest? Yeah. And it turns out the comment that, that gets people to stay on Facebook is that obnoxious asshole who's like making fun of your shirt or whatever. Sure, And so that's what gets pushed up in all these algorithms. And so it's, it's, I think the fundamental problem is that, is that the infrastructure of this technology is based on engagement Engagement is driven by emotion. It's And it's particularly driven by outrage. You know, we, we spend the most time and engage the most with stuff that we're pissed off about. And so unwittingly, I think all the media, everybody on social media, like everything, it's, there's a constant incentive to piss people off because that what get, that's what gets clicks and what gets clicks gets money. Absolutely.
2: A, fr- um, a comedian friend of mine had he talks about this? So I hope I'm not uh, burning any gear of his. But <laughs> he 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 tweeted, and then someone tweeted tweeted something horrendous about his appearance. Wow! He quote tweeted it, and then thinking that he'd call this guy out, he'd done the right thing. And then this guy's mates on Twitter were going, "I can't believe you got him!" So he did it on purpose. Yeah. It actually, you know, he'd, trolls. Tro- the, so by getting the reaction, he'd got, he'd got exactly. Yeah, it's sort of rewarding the troll behavior, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I I saw I saw um an article. It was talking about how it's roughly like I think it's four percent of any population are people basically people who are sadistic. Like, is it really? Yeah, it's something like that. It's like a very it's a low number, but it's it's also but it's a significant number. I was going to say because that feel actually feels high. Yeah, but it's it's somewhere it's like low single digits of any population. They're, they're a little bit, they've got, they're high on the sociopathic scale. (laughs) Sure. They're high on the sadism scale. Yeah. And if you imagine, uh, if you put a hundred people in a room, like let's say you're at a cocktail party, you put a hundred people in a room and you got like three sadists in the room, people who are just mean because they enjoy being mean. If they're saying mean things, 95, 95 of the other people in the room are never going to hear it or know about it. But if you put those same hundred people like on a Twitter thread, suddenly yeah. you you so the 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 platforms disproportionately expose the worst behavior. They they reward narcissism, they reward sadism, they reward um you know sociopathic behavior.
2: I mean I know that both these books are like your they're your two children, and I know I should yes. pick a favourite. <laughs> I've actually preferred that the, the newer book Thank you. I mean, I love that you know I love them both. Yes. No, I... Well, so you picked
3: my favorite, <laughs> But <laughs> But when you could... But it's... But it, so I actually like hearing that because I honestly... So it's weird because they are both my children and I'm I'm very proud of both of them. But it, it's very weird for me because I know that nothing I do... Nothing I I was going to do next was ever going to be as popular or as loved as Subtle Art was.
2: Nothing. You, you started with Citizen Kane.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I just I know I'm not going to, you know, for the rest of my career, probably I'm I'm not going to hit that level. Um, And so for me, it was it was very important to me when writing this book that I wrote what I felt was a better book in a deeper book and a more thoughtful
2: it book. It is a deeper book. Yeah. I, re- I really think that one, one thing that is incredible and, and brilliant and wonderful. And I actually think if you made a documentary, I'd be the first in line to say the levels of, of research. So, you know, we British people, I, I can only really speak for myself. I thought I knew lots about Isaac Newton. Yeah, <laughs> it, right. it turns out I know nothing. <laughs> um, so how, I mean, how, how do you, how do you do that? Cause that, I mean, I love the first book, but that surprised me in such a pleasant way. In the mm-hmm. the depth that you go into, and not only not only is it meticulously researched, but it's so beautifully written in a way that's incredibly interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm I always do audio books with the with the personal development factual type books. Yeah. But the new, listening to all that about Newton, for, for example, was such a a treat. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what what's the process there? I think so. Obviously, I read a
3: lot. But I'm always on the lookout for fascinating stories. So stories that are either kind of extreme in nature or people who are a little bit paradoxical. And so I read, um, you know, I read about Newton and and uni and everything like everybody else. But and I, I vaguely knew that he was kind of an asshole. And uh, <laughs> it's which I, you know, I always thought that was kind of interesting that this guy was you know, arguably the most important
2: mind in human history was just this total prick that nobody could stand. Do you not find that? Do you not find that? I'm whispering, like we're not on a podcast. Yeah. Do you not think? <laughs>
0: Maybe so, Isaac's
2: outside, yeah. you know. Like. But do you not find that's quite common with quite a few figures in in human history that these yeah. a lot of these people who are icons. When you, the more and more you read about them, there've been times where I've read about someone I thought, oh, I, I actually wish I'd not read. I wish I'd yeah. not read. Yeah, kind of. I mean
3: that that is true. I mean, some of them are. Do seem like they were cool people. Some of them seem they are kind of. But the thing about New, like Newton, I mean, he was unbearable. Like he literally had no friends, no friends, never had a girlfriend. Hated his fan, like hated every. Like he just he was an angry, bitter person, his whole life, and it was. And it was funny. His bitterness was to such an extent that he would come up with like his theories of gravitation and stuff and he wouldn't share them with other people. Brilliant. Because he was like, ah, they're too stupid, you know, fuck them, you know? And so it was some of, some of his discoveries, they sat in his office for 20, 25 years and it it basically his the other professors at Cambridge had to, like, come and be like, Isaac, like, how do you know all this stuff? Like, please. And Isaac's like, oh, yeah, I wrote this thing 20 years ago. And he'd hand it to him. And it's like his three laws of motion or whatever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's just it's crazy. And so I I read his I read a biography about him a number of years ago, and I just thought uh. Just such a fascinating individual, such a fascinating individual. And, and, and I love, I always, I had this idea for his three laws of motion and kind of like turning them into three laws of emotion. Like I've had that idea. I've always wanted to do something like that. And then when I read a biography of him, I was like, man, this, he is such a perfect uh, person to kind of exemplify like what trauma does to people what like what like a really fucked up family life like how do you become such a bitter and angry person even though you're a genius uh it's so it was a fun way to like use him both as the example but also kind of play off of his discoveries
2: can you can you so some listeners who who, you know there'll be people who will be people who will be on board will be have listeners who are fans Mm -hmm. people will be intrigued could you just Share a little bit about Newton and what happened to him, because I, I didn't know that about the uncle, for example. Yeah, and the role that these, the impact these these things have on us as humans, but as uh, you know, these great figures in time, the things that that inspires. I mean, that that's an, I thought that was an incredible story. The you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's, I did a mime to mark that
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I took a there's a it's a little bit of historical fiction, but basically his father, his father died before he was born. So he's born to a single mother, which back in the 1600s is like, not sure. Cool. Um, and so his mother met uh, a local, a wealthy kind of local guy. And the local guy was like, okay, well I'll marry you, but I don't want your kid. So she, she abandoned him. So from like age three, he's, he's got no parents. um, and he was passed around a bunch of extended family cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff, all of whom didn't want him because it's again, you know, 1600s. I think it was in the middle of the English Civil War. So, like, you've he's an extra mouth to feed. So, like, nobody wants to deal yeah, with sure. this little kid. So, he's he's neglected. He's physically abused. I think his uncle was like a raging alcoholic who, you know, would beat the crap out of him. Um, he was scrawny. Like, he, I, I think he was, a. Uh, he, he was born premature so he he grew up like underdeveloped physically so he was bullied in school and then you know he's like into nerdy shit like sundials and yeah uh, you know and figuring out like why light reflects off water you know which you know when you' your, your mates in school like they're not really into that stuff, so obviously you get socially punished for it. So he he just had this incredibly traumatic, uh, painful, isolated upbringing his whole life yeah and he never really emotionally recovered from that um but he was also just unbelievably brilliant in terms of like you know to, speaking about the thinking brain feeling like his thinking brain was miles ahead of anybody who had ever come before him and so it's just it's just incredible like to me it's just so fun to dig into a, a person like that and kind of use his his life is an example to explain the emotional process of trauma messing us up like this is why your trauma messes you up and this is why you become like angry or believe these things about yourself uh and then use that like use a person like newton to kind of explore that like it's just to me that's play and and those stories like that are the cornerstones of my books i think it's it's what people enjoy about my writing
2: if it was socially acceptable for me to applaud on a train I, there are times in your books when i'm listening to them uh but i, I thought the thinking feeling uh that whole section uh again if, if you've not listened i mean you've you have got to buy these books i promise i don't own shares in mark manson you have got to buy these books they will change your life and how you think i can't put it any uh I can't put it any stronger than that. It's <laughs> it, it's wonderful. Now, is that is that something that that you've thought about? Because if you were if you were to you know ink... sell, sell stock and mark mitts. well yeah maybe if you were to, if you <laughs> Mate, if you need a PR yeah, but if right. you um, documentary making that sort of thing because mm. you have this ability to take you know what can be pretty stodgy history and turn it into the most thought provoking you know philosophy. I mean let's, yeah. let's call it for what it is. Or does it is that not? I think it's I'm more excited than you are. Yeah, you are.
3: <laughs> story it's a story of my life. It's it's not I'm not an expert in that medium, you know. Sure. I don't know anything about filmmaking and I but I've been around enough filmmaking to know that it's really fucking hard yeah. and arduous. Uh and I just I love writing about. It. Like cuz what I love about writing is that you can take so like doing the the emo, like the three laws of emotion, sure. Like taking his three laws of motion and, and turning them into emotional laws and using that to explain like how our emotions function. Um, you can't. I don't know how you do that in film or like it's. I guess just in writing for me, it's 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 like this fun, fluid exercise of creativity. Whereas with with film,
2: I think I would probably be beating my head against the wall half the time. That's absolutely fine. So so so. It, I mean, you've answered my next question. So it's the it's the writing is where the fire comes from. The, yeah, right. I see.
3: I just I, I love it. It's my it's you know, and I'm doing. I've been doing like a speaking tour. Absolutely. Um, for this book, and and I'm doing some events here and here in the UK, and it's it's fun. Like I like it. I like
2: you're a great talker as well. I mean, it's. Well, thank you. It all dovetails nicely, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, I like I like giving talks. What an unusual thing for a host to say to a guest halfway <laughs> through. By the way, like, yeah, <laughs> you, might I just say... You want to host my next one? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> i got some groceries to pick up.
3: <laughs> I'm going away in October. Uh, I've got
2: some guests. I think you would be. Mark, I've actually booked you in to give you some work. while I, I want to go away with the kids. Um... Uh, Matt, one thing I did want—I did want to ask. Yeah. So, how did you now? Lots of lots of people uh, read blogs. Lots of people get into blogs. Mm-hmm. How, I I, mean, I know this because I know about you. But if you could, if you could share how your journey from getting into to blogs and then the blogs becoming so popular that uh, that there was the book and then, but then also why that book? Why the decision to mm-hmm. to write that? Book? I mean, I've asked you about twelve questions in one. There. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so the first one is why the blog. Uh, I mean, I, I can't remember myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, about, it's about ten minutes ago. Yeah, no. Um, I tell you what. So when when blog, I mean, I'm. If there's one uh, constant in my life, it's that I'm frequently wrong. So when when blogs first became a thing, sure. my, my thought was, well, who on earth is gonna give a shit? Yeah. what someone else thinks in the form of a blog. So I was I was quite a dissenting voice. Yeah, I just thought. I, I don't get it. Why would anyone care? What? blah, 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 uh, Spoiler: I, I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, so for you, how did how did you get into it yourself?
3: Uh, it's funny. I got into it on accident. You know. I, really? Yeah. I had I had. Uh, I remember it was around the time I graduated from uni, and I had my roommates. Like starting a blog was kind of like a fun, cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, my roommates started them, and it was basically just kind of this like public diary. You know, it's like I could go on and see what my roommate Dave had been doing that, sure. that weekend. Yeah. Um, and so they, they were always bugging me to start one. So I started one for fun and I didn't really, I had no expectations about it. And then about six or eight months later, I'd been doing some freelance web design yes. stuff. And then about six or eight months later, I, I read this book called the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Oh yeah. It's about like starting online businesses yeah. and automating them and all this stuff. And, uh, that was like, oh, my God, I, I need to do this. I need to start, like, an online, you know, create my own online business or whatever. Um, and so I did that. And it was funny because when I was doing research on, like, how to get people to come to your website, uh, this is 2008. Every, everybody was like, oh, well, every, you got to have a blog. You got to have a blog. So I was like, ah, I can use my blog to, like, market and promote my business. Well, long story short, I was bad at the business, but I was good at the blogging. So I I actually developed a large readership um on the blog mainly around kind of dating relationship advice. And uh and then nobody really cared about the business. So I was like I guess That's I'll just incredible. blog.
2: Yeah. How did the how did the audience grow? Was it totally was it organic? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean
3: I I cashed in pretty big on I I hit the golden age of Facebook. Um, So it was like 2012, 2013. Um, Facebook actually, I didn't know this at the time, but Facebook had altered their algorithm. Like They made a really conscious uh, strategic decision that Facebook wanted to kind of be like the news homepage of the world. Right. um, Because everybody was there. And
2: also, this is the time when Facebook was at its absolute zenith. everybody was on it. Everyone Everyone, was on it. And everybody loved it back then. I look back back now and, and... I think I'm sort of embarrassed, and I'm sure that in years to come, I'll be embarrassed about what I was sharing on, on Instagram. Yeah, but I'm and I'm sure other people must think the same. The things that you put up on Facebook now, I, th- I sort of like. Why did I do that? It's, you you it's, don't know at the time, do you? It's you know? funny because Facebook has that
3: memory thing where it's oh, like, it's like mate, look back on eight years ago, I'm you know. Like, and I think was I think I know, right? Like I think that in Facebook's mind, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to get people really engaged.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: And and every time like it comes
2: up, I'm just like, oh...
3: Why did I post
2: that? <laughs> Why did I post that? Or oh, that, oh, that is not funny. Or yeah. you know, the comedian is like, that's that's. Uh, there's so many words I could take out of that to make it yeah funnier. You know, it's that, sure it's that sort of thing. Sure, Fa- I've got to say, Facebook with the memories thing. I think they've that's a swing and a miss. Yeah, because I'm like, oh god, they've got a lot of misses going right? at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not. They're, not uh, yeah. Uh, they're Manchester United at the moment, and that's not a compliment. <laughs> um, sorry. So, so this was 2012, and Facebook was yeah. So
3: Facebook had just changed its algorithm to really promote published content. But the thing is, is that nobody – so all the big kind of media like New York Times and stuff like that, they're still stuck in the 90s. They they still think that it's like, oh, how do we get people to buy physical newspapers? You know, and it, and it's – yeah. And being an online person, I was very much attuned and paying attention to like what the developments in social media and Google and everything was – because that's how I paid rent. You know, it was like how do I get more people to come to my site? Yeah. Uh, and so – I figured out, I think I figured out before most people did how you can kind of make stuff go viral. Like if you, re- if Bloody you create, hell. if you create the right title, if you've got like the right picture, if you, if you kind of start the article the right way, you know, people get really excited and it spreads really fast. So you fast. knew, you just, you knew yourself how to create that magic formula almost. Well, it happened, it happened on accident a couple times. But, but it was crazy because like back then, so I, like I'd say a typical article I would write, it would get like maybe, I don't know, say ten ten thousand 10,000 people would read it. Yeah. And then my first viral hit, uh, it was so much traffic, my server crashed. And then I had to call my host and be like, you know, max it. Like I had to pay him hundreds of dollars to max out the capacity and then it still crashed, you know? So it was hundreds of thousands of people came. So it was, it wasn't even 10 X. It was 100, 200, 300 X the traffic I normally get. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, that's huge. If I can, how do I make this happen again? And so I started kind of paying attention to the, all right, how to, what I, 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 I kind of put myself in the mind of a Facebook user of like, what would I click on? What would I be, what would I want to share? So I, I kind of studied clickbait before clickbait was the thing. Um, and by 2015, I had like 2 million monthly readers. So I went from... Oh, my God. Yeah. So like, I think 2012, I probably had maybe 50,000. You know, 2008 to 2012, I built up to about 50,000 a month. Um, and then from 2012 to 2014, I went from 50,000 to 2 million. Have you always had that ability where you just... I mean, the whatever it is, no. <laughs> Whatever it is. (laughs) I don't even know how you're going to finish that question. The answer is no.
2: (laughs) This is why I love Mark. (laughs) I don't even remember on the phone where I made a joke about us being best friends and we'll swap numbers and you immediately just went, no fucking way. (laughs) 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 I think I laughed for about a full minute at (laughs) his... It had already been a dangerously unprofessional interview. <laughs> um <laughs> but what were you going to ask? But, so, you, so I was going to say, <laughs> I've got the giggles now. Uh, but it, it, it seems to me that you are very good at uh, being just ahead of the curve.
3: Yes. Well, I try to be. Sure. But I, I don't. I think part of that is that I, I'm pretty cynical and I
2: get bored very easily. And so I think that's actually. Are you cynical? Cynicism doesn't come. That might surprise you. Really? I don't think cynicism comes across. Absolutely not,
3: dude. I mean, I I open the new book with like, nothing you do matters.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I still because I am such an optimist. Yeah, I still feel upbeat by by listening. So for for this, this this is a good example. Maybe yeah. it's because you know we all see things through our own prism. Sure. But the Isaac Newton thing, for example. Yeah. That to me is hugely inspiring. So a man that went through awful circumstances was able in a way to, I think he used that as his fuel to achieve, achieve these phenomenal things that, are, that still echo through time yeah. across the centuries. You might, Whereas you might not have thought that while you're writing it. But while I listen to that, I think, God, what an inspiring, positive story yeah. that is.
3: Well and and I mean not to harp on Newton too much but I think what is so fascinating about him is that he is arguably one of the most impactful human beings yeah. who's ever lived. Period. You know, it's it's all modern science and physics kind of comes from him. Um but it it really was just kind of I think in his mind when he was doing it 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 was such this this there was a lot of tension and ambivalence and like, well, I hate these people, but I, I also kind of want to impress them. And, and so it's just fascinating to me that like such a powerful impact on the world can come actually come from a very negative place. Absolutely. Uh, but back to the, to me being bored easily. So yeah, that it, I always have been that way. Like my, I'm a little bit, I think ADD, I'm a little, my brain works very quickly and, I, and I, I just get, I get bored quickly. And I think that the, uh, the, the upside of that is that when I'm, I'm, you know, as a consumer myself of content and books and podcasts and whatever, sure. I, I'm able to kind of things start feeling repetitive to me before they feel repetitive to most people. And so, I ask myself, why is this feeling repetitive to me? Why is this boring me? And I'm usually, in my experience, like a couple, a couple years ahead of the curve. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, like for instance, yeah, I find that quite. Insp- I find that inspiring in <laughs> itself. <laughs> but it's 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 funny though because it's experiencing it is very strange. So like for instance, I'm going through this right now. I am so fucking over superhero movies and what, did, what was the first thing i mentioned as we walked in have you watched the boys yeah is, right?
2: i you thought oh for god's sake
3: <laughs> i didn't even know what it was <laughs> but i've been saying for like two years now i'm like these things are done like they're done like i think the the last avengers is like half the people i talked to i got sick of them about two years ago and i was like they're too repetitive there are no stakes in the stories anymore the the characters are all the same like people are gonna get sick of this shit and um, and then with this last Avengers, like half the people I know who saw it, they're like, yeah, I just kind of went cause it's the last one, you know, they're like, I didn't really care what happened. And so I, I think it's, it's seen trends like that, like seeing why, why we got superheroed out and then how, how is Hollywood or pop culture going to react to that? Like, that's just, it's, it's, it gives me an advantage in my career, but it makes me a, a really ornery and obnoxious person, you know, like. Because I'm like that friend in the movie theater who was like, oh, yeah, Thor sucked. Like, <laughs> and everybody else is like, what are you talking about? It was great. I'm like, eh, no, it was repetitive and this didn't matter and this they just ripped this off, you know. and it's it's so it's, That's interesting. So it's not a fun – it's not always a fun way to experience the world, but it gives me an advantage.
2: So the, your superpower – I mean, I'm making it worse now by giving you a superpower. Yeah, please. You've, you've just said that that's one thing you don't want. Please. But um, – but that you're you're calling it now in that in that regard. Do you think do you think cinema will will swing back then? This is more like a mate asking a mate in a pub, I suppose. I think because the, the criticism at the moment is if a movie, not criticism comment, if a movie isn't uh, existing franchise or intellectual property, yeah. or a superhero movie, it can be. I mean, this is proved with statistics. It can be really hard for. Oh, a, they're struggling. Yeah, they
3: really struggling. And yeah. the only thing keeping them afloat is superhero yeah, sure. stuff and then like Disney reboots. Yeah. Um, I think people are going to get fatigued, and I think kind of the the last safe haven is going to be like kids' stuff, like with special effects, you know. So like the Disney remakes, Toy Story, Pixar stuff, like that's going to kind of be like the last bastion of like, okay, well, kids will still want to go see special effects, whereas everybody else is going to be on Netflix and stuff.
2: Do you think? Do you think cinemas will just die? Like, I don't know why to think thinking this film, but like say Midnight Run, which an absolute all time classic. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro, Baron Tiense, if you've not seen it, I mean, you are welcome for the recommendation. 10 out of 10. If that movie came out now, I fear it would sink without a trace. Oh, totally. I, so the, the
3: only reason people are going to movies, like ask yourself, like what movie do you actually go to the theater for? It's stuff like Avengers. It's for special effects. It's yeah. the only reason to actually physically go to a, a theater now. And I think as technology gets better and our home theaters get better and better, um, and we get more burnt out on just read because I think there's a diminishing returns of special effects. You know, it, it reaches a point where it actually makes you less engaged in the movie um, when they overdo it. And, and I think we're hitting that point. And so I think people are just going to stay home. I think I think the future is at least in terms of like adult stuff. I think it's it, it's like uh, Netflix at home. Yeah, it's it's at home and it's series. It's like people because people don't want to. To watch something for two hours anymore, they want to see a fourteen-hour series that dives into every single character deeply and intertwines the stories and the narratives. And and it's just Hollywood is not constructed to deal with that right now.
2: Um, I mean, my wife and I—we've you know, say if everyone the movies, we paid for the babysitter. The film—if the film's been three stars out of five, if you like, on the way home, and you're thinking combined cost is like best part. Yeah, you're of like why sixty why? quid or whatever, and you're like. If we don't, you know, yeah, you know what I mean, and, I th- and that is that's being reflected, isn't it?
3: Yeah, we, and when you can just turn on Netflix and there's like six different shows that you know are going to be good, sure, and and they're like 10, 20 hours long.
2: Um, now no, I, 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 we don't have to, we're, yeah, we're, we're way off on a No, no, I was going to say, no, yeah. my, next, I mean, wait for my next question, and you'll spit your water out. And now I know we, we don't have time for you to read out the entire new book, um, <laughs> but uh, the con. <sighs> Again, I was inspired by it. the concept of hope mm-hmm. and why it is a futile and almost dangerous thing. You know, we, you know. We, we, there's the example in the book of you know someone who puts all their egg, eggs in that particular basket, and yeah. then and and their dream is to be X, yes. and then if they don't quite achieve it, then that's that's almost their entire life yes. flushed down the toilet. But again, I listened to that, and I and I I didn't think that, that's cynical. I thought that's that's actually a really helpful. Message for for someone to uh, to to read or, or listen to. I'm glad you feel it because I feel the same way. Yeah, I actually
3: find I find that uplifting, and I think it's important. You know it, that it's. I kind of make the same argument in a lot of my work on on my site about love. You know, like I I, I I've got a popular article also went viral uh, called "Love Is Not Enough," and it you know the whole article is basically, you know, at the end of the day. Love feels great, but if you make it the basis of your decision-making, you're going to end up in a very, like, messed up situation. Um, you, ultimately, you need to prioritize things like respect and trust and honesty above love. Yeah, um, And I think the same is true for hope. Like, we need, we need hope the same way we need love. Hope can be great. It can be inspiring. It could be uplifting the same way love can be. But you also have to be careful what you hope for the same way you have to be careful who you love. Um, you can't just blindly like run after anybody you start having feelings for. Same thing, you can't just blindly like
2: give yourself away to anything that makes you feel hopeful. Um, I, I recently interviewed a, a former heavyweight champion boxer, mm-hmm. and he, again, this again was a real nugget that stayed with me. He said, it's, "This episode will have has gone out, so I can I can say this. I'm not spoiling anything." He said that his dream, his whole life was to be heavyweight champion of the world, to the extent where a teacher would say, what are you going to be when you're older? And he would say, I'm going to be heavyweight champion of the world. And the teacher would go, you know, that's crazy. But what really... And he's like, that's all I I care about, heavyweight champion. That's all I'm focused on. He said he became heavyweight champion. and And so I asked, well, what was that then like? And David Hay, I think, was expecting the whole world to change yeah like in a video game everything would magically level up you know everything you know the world would be gold-plated and, yeah yeah and he and i think he was almost surprised as he said it. he went nothing changed yeah and and, and i again i'm inspired by that and i get and i i think without putting words into your mouth the impo- what i take away from your books is the important thing is to Appreciate the here and now, yes, and not worry too much about oh if I if I achieve that that will be amazing if I get that promotion then I'll be happy yes Uh, yeah it's that's part of it I mean one one of the points that I
3: make is that anything you hope for is going to disappoint you know there's nothing there's no nothing you can hope for that if it comes true you'll be like oh yeah that's exactly how as good as I thought it would be like, (laughs) like. no matter what it is um everything you hope for has associated costs it has unexpected problems it has you know it, it it's drawbacks um you know i experienced something kind of similar with the success of subtle art yeah. and and it it's i spent most of my adult life dreaming and hoping of being like a very successful best selling author yeah. and and as soon as it happened i was like well shit now what you know I'm like I'm like waking up in the morning and I'm like well I look the same and you know I smell the same and (laughs) it just it was and then as amazing as it was I mean I was don't get me wrong I was very happy Um, as amazing as it was there were also a lot of these kind of awkward you know some of my friends had different attitudes towards me and then suddenly people money starts complicating relationships with certain people and well he'll pay for this meal yeah uh, absolutely and and it's and so you start running into these problems that you're like oh shit i never thought about that i never thought that it could actually complicate my life in some ways Um, and so it's i think when you scale that to like a society level you know you've got this group of people over here who all hope for this, and this group of people all over here who all hope for this. Yeah, you know, you see how that plays out. It's like no matter what you achieve or what comes true, you know, there are, there are unexpected costs and complications.
2: So, just to wrap them, what, um, how do you get through a day? And this this is such a fan question. So, what, <laughs> what I mean by that is, what are your motivations? You know, if, if it's not goal setting per se, or or having that uh, the carrots, mm-hmm. if you like, um, can, can you take us through what your mindset is in that, in that regard then?
3: I think, again, I think it's not about not having hope. I think it's just being very, very careful and selective about what those hopes are. And so I, I lay out in the book, I lay out a principle that comes from Kant called the formula of humanity. And yeah. I, I kind of use that as my, as my compass, um, for, for my life. So it's, just to give you an example, like, a, and this ties in the subtle art too, because in subtle art, I talk about having good values and bad values, or good metrics of success and bad metrics of success. So, for instance, if I decide it's like, okay, well, um, my goal and my my hope for myself is that I, you know, write a a hit screenplay, you know, win an Oscar or something. Um, that can be a very dangerous thing to hope for because there are, there are a lot of things involved in that that I don't have control of. Um, there are a lot of associated costs. I have to like jump laterally into a different career. I've got to, you know, start dealing with movie studios and all this bullshit that I'm not used to dealing with. Like yep. there's a lot of associated costs with that goal that I'm not aware of when I make it. Um, and so what I try to focus on is just, is ask yourself like, like the, my primary motivation that I always return to is what do I think needs to be said in the world that's not being said enough? And I try to say that. And for me, that's very, it's a good goal. It's a good thing. Well, it's its not even a hope. It's just, it's based on that principle of the, the formula of humanity. It's like, make people the ends of your goals. Like helping people should be the ultimate end of everything you do. Build goals around that the external metrics of success will happen as a side effect. They'll be fun. That's great, but they're not the point. Ultimately, the point is always returning to help people build goals around helping people. And so as somebody whose career or whose talent is, uh, communicating, um, telling stories, you know, I use that as the
2: weather vane, um, of my work. Mate, that that I mean, again, I mean, I said earlier about giving a round of applause on a train. <laughs> I'll do it in a podcast studio. Um, hey, hey, if I'm ever feeling bad about myself, can I just call you? <laughs> well, yes, I knew it. Best friends are back on. <laughs> so, so, so the, the, now the two books. This is the this is uh, what I do is this classic Columbo trick of just one more thing, and just then the, more there's thing. like yeah. you know six hours of uh, you know, the other person just like a skeleton with a beard. You know? Yeah. Um, with the with the two books, I think of my my personal favourite trilogy. I'm not trying to upset you when I say this. It's Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. Will there Love be them? Oh, Love they, they're the great. They're the greatest. Yeah. Will it? Will there be a, a third part of the, what I feel is a trilogy, or will they run and run and run? Because I mean, I felt the two books they complement each other nicely. Uh,
3: yeah, I feel like I I I feel like I have one more fuck book in me. You know, it, it's. <laughs> I don't want to be, I feel like self-help is, it's kind of a cul-de-sac. Like it's not, there's only so much you can say in self-help before you start repeating yourself. Sure. And there are a lot of people in the industry who have done that. And and so I don't, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want to be one of those people that's just saying the same thing for my
2: whole career. And Book nine, uh, Fuck that. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like I've probably got one more in me. And then I like the idea of kind of pivoting away and doing something a little bit different. I don't know, like fiction or maybe something uh, memoir. I I don't know. Yeah, sure. But 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 do step away and, and kinda leave leave that as my my message. Nice. The self help message and, and and just kinda see what happens.
2: I always felt Dark Knight Rises is the underrated one of the trilogy. Oh yeah. So we're in, we're in for a treat with your third one. <laughs> I hope so. By the way, you can make you can make a quick dollar if you put the blogs together as a book, surely. Have you have you done that yet?
3: Uh, Yeah, but then, you know, then I'd have trouble sleeping at night. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't need another dollar. <laughs>
2: Good man. Oh, mate. God bless you. Uh, Mark, thank you very much. Put it there, man. Really lovely to meet it. you. Thank you so Appreciate much. It. That was brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was great, man! Oh, Big thank yeah. you,
2: um, as always, for listening. Huge thanks to Mark Manson and to Serena for making it happen. If you haven't read his books, I know I went off on one in the middle of the interview about how good they are, but I mean it. They're a, a breath of fresh air. Really, really enjoyable. I've been James Gill. Have a great week! Uh, oh, if you uh, if you want to check out our website, we are balance dot media. We're across all the socials. Balance L D N. And thank you, as always. You know it's it's uh, it means a lot. Thank you. I've been James Gill. Goodbye.
1: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
0: whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style and you'll find the best mattress for you at ashley the new temper adapt collection at ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology making every sleep tailored to be your best